BlackMotorcross.com podcast show. Proudly sponsored by BTOsports.com with Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com, directmotocross.com, DMX podcast show. I'm your host, Steve Mathis. Uh, with me is on the line is a guy that, uh, good guy in the sport and uh, took a big chance this year, and in some ways it's paid off, and in some ways it hasn't, and we're here to talk to him about it. Uh, KTM team manager slash racing director, Andy White. What's going on, Andy? Oh, same old, same old, just getting things ready for... Round eight and round nine, two last nationals of the series. Yeah. yeah. Um, lots of good stuff going on. We're still in the hunt for the lights class with Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dusty's coming on really well at the end of the series here, so things are exciting. Kevin Benoit, our support rider, killing it for the last couple of nationals as well. Yeah, yeah. It, let's uh, let's touch on Benoit first. Um, holy crap. Um, I knew the guy was good, obviously, uh, but... He as he surprised you, he's come out, um, won a couple of races, or I think he's won two, won this last weekend, anyways. And um, man, I did. I, I mean, when I went to Edmonton and saw Jeremy and Teddy, they were pretty good and pretty far ahead of everybody else. And here, this guy comes back from injury and immediately uh, wins motos and races. Are you surprised? I'm not really surprised because last year he battled with those two guys. Uh, well, with uh, Jeremy, mm-hmm. uh, week in and week out. So they were really close last year with Tyler, who was riding in that class last year. Uh, it was good battling. Um, I knew that uh, he would come back strong. He took his time. He waited till he was 100% before he jumped into the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at Gopher Dunes, he knew uh, that he was ready and decided to make the move and, and ride, uh, ride the sand. And he knows the East Coast really well. He's been doing this for a long time. and. Yep. His bikes are dialed in. Uh, it's very similar to bike that we had last year, so uh, that didn't take long. His suspension was already dialed in from last year, so he just needed to be in shape. And mm-hmm. uh, he worked out with uh, JSR most of the um, most of the spring after he got the green light from the doctor. He intensively worked out with JSR and got himself into great shape. And he really doesn't have any pressure. He uh, he's yeah. not in the championship at all, so he just goes out and hangs out and has some fun. Yeah, uh now it was a, it was ACL, right? He did a knee, knee. Yeah, he did his knee on his uh on his snowmobile contract over the winter. He cartwheeled big time and crashed <laughs> and uh that knocked him out. Uh he didn't start riding until I would say mid-April to end of April. Okay, so then uh, and then Gophers in June. Yeah, Gophers in June. So he didn't have that much time to get ready. Right. Um yeah, imagine if he had done the whole series. I mean, you must be just uh, well, I mean Jeremy's certainly, you know, putting it on the box and he's right there, but as a KTM guy, you got to be. Oh, I could have two, two out of three every weekend. I could have. It was, uh, you know, to be honest, at the beginning of the year, we were looking at our budgets in the program, and we were really stepping it up with Colton and Dusty on the team, and mm-hmm. we wanted to step it up with Jeremy with better training, better bikes, better everything, and that, that costs a lot more money. And it was difficult to squeeze a fourth guy on the program, and right. it kind of happened where he got hurt just as we were trying to make the decision, and then it kind of made our decision for us that, all right, you're just going to ride local stuff, and, and then if you're ready for East Coast, then we'll throw you into the East Coast. Mm-hmm. If you're not, no big deal. There's no big deal if you race it or not this year because of your injury. So um, Motovan stepped up to the plate and uh, supported him for local racing here in Quebec, and that worked out really well, and that's the reason we can't put him under the tent, obviously, because he's got a one-industry deal. We're a Fox-sponsored yeah. team. Yeah. So um, he is a, a top-A supported rider by KTM Canada, and uh, he gets a, a lot of the good stuff that Jeremy gets, and, man, he just rides that bike well. Yeah, so basically how much uh, – my next question was what kind of support is he getting? I guess you kind of laid that out. You're uh, you're giving them a lot of what Jeremy has, and you give them um, parts and bikes and all that, right? And yeah, we we give him bikes and parts. He gets a little bit of travel. He's got a, okay. a decent contingency program through Motovan and through KTM. Yep. Uh, his mechanic is part time. It's not full time just because of the budget. So that's kind of the mm-hmm. uh, 
bad part is he doesn't have someone full time following around. Uh, he's got a you know a couple practice bikes. Uh, yeah. He travels in his own pickup truck to the races, saves on costs on flying. So it's not quite the get on an airplane and fly to the event, but mm-hmm. I think it's pretty damn close. What's the gap between Jeremy and Teddy right now? I don't have it in front of me, but twenty seven points. Oh, so okay. I thought it was around eighteen or so. See, the bad yeah. thing is with with Kevin's return is he can get in between those and cost Jeremy some points. Two races to go, it's going to be a tough deal for Jeremy to catch Teddy. But uh, the downside to having Kevin um, do so well is he can get in between there, unless you've told him, "Hey, we need some points." Has there been any well, of that going on? Well, he he's not an idiot. He knows that uh, he wants to be part of the big team next year, and he's got to be a team player. But also, he's looking out for himself. Right, right. So I said, you know what, dude? Like, either nail it and win both <laughs> motos. So. Right. You're out of the way, or you kind of finish behind Jeremy between Teddy right. if you can. But it's—I mean—that's really hard to is, predict yeah. or, or make it happen. So this last weekend he went one-one, <laughs> so he took the fifty <laughs> yeah. points away. He just said, "See, ya, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to win." <laughs> <laughs> well, he—he he did. Uh, I mean, he, his lap times were right there with Jeremy's and Teddy's, and he got great starts both motos, mm-hmm. and he was out of the way and gone and. Just as himself, uh, Jeremy put a great race in Moto One to hang with him and mm-hmm. closed in and almost made the pass on him a few times. But Jeremy was a little bit nervous on throwing it away and throwing away 22 points, so he rode conservative and right. stayed second. And the second Moto just got pinched out off the start and started like 12th and worked his way up to third. But um, you know uh, he tied in points with uh, with Teddy, Teddy so yeah. he didn't get any points on him, which is good. Uh, but we didn't gain any points. Right. So the, the this, this weekend, Sandalee, um, mm-hmm. Jeremy's one of Jeremy's home, Jeremy's home track. Basically, it'd be nice Correct. to yeah. see him go one one, Cavan go two two, and then you can get a ten points back right there, just like that. That's the plan. Because really, there's nobody else, right? That can. Is there anybody? Else? I mean, Jared Alton's having a great year, um, and I see flashes from Kalen here and there, but those three guys, that's it, right? Yeah, those three guys are kind of on their own program. There's a a couple seconds between the next group of guys, and mm-hmm. that next group of guys would be like Topher, the Allisons, uh, 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 Dylan, uh, even Kyle Beaton was in there. Spencer Knowles, all those guys are all right. kind of battling. Some of them start up in the front, and then they fade a little bit into their own group, and and there's a great battle right after yeah. the top three. Um, yeah, oh, poor beats, poor beats. Yeah, it's too bad. He's been doing this a long time, and it's uh, it's sad to see him go down. He's a great competitor, and yeah. a lot of spectators enjoy watching him on the race. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, hey, uh, and what about Jeremy's season? How how what's your thoughts on that so far? To four motos left, are you happy? Obviously, you'd like to see him in the points lead, but overall, um, you know, Teddy's a strong competitor. So, t- assess his season for us. Well. Going into the beginning of the year, we didn't know Teddy was going to drop down to the lights class. Uh, I can't believe he did, but it, it, it ended up being a good move by Leading Edge because they've got mm-hmm. a great 450 guy leading the series, and they got a guy leading the lights class. And right. um, you know whether he was in the class or not, we did our homework and got the bike and Jeremy up to speed. We did a lot of testing and training down at Josh Woods's track over uh, the, you know the early months of the year, and we came in feeling really good and really strong and. Um, Jeremy uh, and Teddy have raced against each other in the past, and Teddy's just that little bit better on the West Coast tracks. Um, I think Teddy's just a, a, a more experienced, more aggressive, mm-hmm. lets it hang out. Jeremy's kind of guy that you know is kind of conservative, trying to make those points every weekend, and he's you know he's just hoping that there's going to be uh, a DNF maybe on their part that he'll jump right back into the program. Right. Um, but you know, every weekend we assess it and we're like, we're just off the pace just a little bit every weekend, except that one weekend in Edmonton where he showed up, where he really put down the the laps and was able to get the overall for the weekend and going into that break. And I think, um, I think it's in him. I think he can do it. Uh, I think he can do it sandily and I think he can do it at Walton. He's just got to break that thought of being consistent. He's got second wrapped up no Mm -hmm. matter what in the championship. He's, 100 points ahead of third place. <laughs> right, right. So we're like, all right, you know, like, forget being consistent second. Hang it out. Right. Just have some fun and, and, you know, throw it sideways, be a little bit more aggressive out there, get an early lead and go for it and not worry about being perfect in every corner. But, you know, just go out there and nail it for two wins on the weekend. 
Yeah, it's funny you say that. In Edmonton, that second moto was, was great in the rain mm. and uh, yep. charging up. And, and, I mean, that showed a lot to me right there. Uh, speed, heart. He stopped for goggles even, still won. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny you say that he's still that conservative because, you know, when he came up on this OSTF, OSTFF Suzuki, uh, I thought he was a bit wild and a bit out of control uh, than the races that I'd seen. Um, he, you know, he yeah, used to you're crash. Right. In the past, to, he yeah, was. Uh, I think he's changed he, a bit. He has. He's uh, he hung it out a little bit. He was. I wouldn't say reckless, but he took a lot of chances in. But yeah. now he's, you know, championship material. So he's being right. trying to be really consistent every weekend and score as many points as possible. And uh, we've noticed over the last many many years that every team has a little bad luck of a DNF here, mechanical or flat or whatever. Right. And neither us or them have had an issue so far in seven rounds. So between the two teams, we've been super consistent. And mm-hmm. he's just a little bit off. 27 points isn't that much with two rounds ago. That's 100 yeah. po- points up in the air for those two guys. Yeah, no doubt. And for people who are listening, and uh, Andy, you and I have done one of these before where we covered your super interesting career in Canadian moto. Uh, check the archives, and you can learn all about uh, Diablo Honda and uh, everything else uh, in Andy's background. Those are those are good, a good podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But getting back to this year, um, okay, so Blackfoot Yamaha folds up, um, and it's a shame to see them go. Um, they have the number one and two riders, Dusty Clack, Colton Fasciati, looking for rides. Is it a no-brainer for you? Do you have to go to KTM and get more money? Do you have to – Immediately, do you have to choose between one or the two? Do you want both? Take me through that process uh, because I know Dusty and Colton were talking to some other guys, and you snatched snatched them both up. Tell me about that. Like, what what was your thought on that, and and how much did you have to uh, work things to get both guys uh, on the deal? Well, I had already started working on my budgets prior to hearing the news that Blackfoot was. Uh, shutting its doors, and mm-hmm. I already had some writers in mind and talking to them, and then when we got the email, it was like everything changed. <laughs> Every, you know, right. new writers available, uh, it was like, wow. And also, new sponsors were available at the same time. Uh, right. uh, Red Bull was now looking for a new home to connect to. Um, Fox was knocking on the door, looking to be part of the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, Royal Distributing, which was with us for the last eight years, were super pumped that uh, they've got new partners that were knocking on the door to be part of our program. Right. So I talked to Royal about it, and uh, I said, you know, what are your guys' thoughts? Uh, you know, and management here, do we do we go for it and take uh, go after a rider or two, or what do we do? And you know, they've always wanted to win the MX1, like we've always wanted to win that class, and mm-hmm. we've come close with uh, Cornell and Mason and those guys in the past, but not quite got that number one plate, and we thought about it and said, you know what, um, uh, no one's going to expect us to uh, come out and kill it the first year. It's a, it's a, a new team, uh, new riders, new mechanics, uh, uh, new sponsors. It's going to be a whole learning curve. Um, our 450 is not the fuel-injected 450 like everybody else is racing, so we were kind of on an older-type bike, we were thinking about bringing the new bike in, but it wasn't ready for development. There wasn't enough parts. Dungy was the only real guy that was racing it around the world, mm-hmm. so that was out of the question. So uh, we talked to Dusty and Colton, and uh, Colton was all for it, came in. He tried the bike and said uh, that he really liked the whole KTM program, the whole family uh, uh, partnership around the world, mm-hmm. uh, opportunities, um, uh, he knew that uh, we had a great relationship with uh, the U.S. with Roger and Auntie and their whole racing program. And I'm not saying that we get tons of information from them, but we can lean on them when we have issues or right. we, we need to work on things. And he thought that was great. And he also knew that Dungey bike was just down the road. Right. And if Dungey signed with KTM, there must be a reason behind it. Not just, you know, he could got the money from any one of those teams, yeah. but he knew that that bike had to be good. And uh, right now, Dungey's showing that that bike is awesome. And uh, what is he, a weekend away or two weekends away from clinching the championship already? So they looked at that and said, wow, you know, if we can be part of your program and get on that bike in the next year or so, we're ready to connect. And they also liked it that JSR was part of our program. So there was a lot of solidness in our program. Mm -hmm. And we were the factory-based team in Canada. We weren't a dealer support or... uh, yeah. A transportation company or something like that. We were actually factory based, and uh, that's where Colton liked it. He came out, tried the bikes. He really liked them, 
and said, let's put a two-year deal together. And that was easy. That Colton was no problem. Yep. We looked at the budgets after that and said, okay, what's the next step? But we also knew bringing Colton on board would really give us strong ties to uh, Red Bull. And, uh, you know, it was kind of with Red Bull, all right, we want to be involved with you guys. Uh, um, you know, with Red Bull saying that to us, they want to be involved right. with KTM because it was just a natural fit worldwide. Yeah, fits everywhere. Yeah. So they're like, okay, who are your riders so we can be involved? And we want you to have good riders that we call Red Bull athletes. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of looking at the riders that you had last year, and they're like, perfect. If you can get, you know, one or two of those riders, then we're on board with you. So it was, that was the easy part. So we got that connected mm-hmm. with uh, Colton. Next step was who's going to be the second rider. Yeah. And, um, it was tough. I mean, Tyler was available, Dusty was available, and um, between all the uh, major uh, key people of management and sponsors, um, Dusty just had the uh, the seniority of being on the on the Red Bull mm-hmm. team for a long time, and it was an easy fit. And he tried the bike; he really liked it, and he said, "Let's make it happen." And it was a really quick contract, and things went really smooth, and uh, made my life easy. Dust, knowing Dusty, he just sort of mumbled something about liking it, and then um, he he said, "Listen, uh, you know, I've seen uh, that bike in the states. Uh, you know, LSE rode that bike really good. Europe yeah. rides it well." Uh, he says, uh, "I even saw Kyle Keast in front of me at quite a few nationals last year. Right. That bike hauls ass, and I was really impressed on how that KTM worked. So, I mean, I he felt that he could ride it just as good as uh, Kyle, mm-hmm. and Kyle did really well last year." So really, basically, it was uh, it was Royal, it's Red Bull, it's probably Fox. Everybody kind of coming together with you in order to get these guys. That's right. Yeah. It was it was a big team involvement. We we lean our our sponsors as a partner and a business per, you know partnership, yeah. and we don't want to. It's not a surprise. We all have to work together, and it's going to be a long term relationship. So we all sit down, have conference calls, and decide and figure out mm-hmm. the game plan, and everybody was on board with the whole program, and it made it very easy for us. Was it a conscious decision to go all Canadian, um, or was it just worked out that way? Would you have hired? No, would you have hired no it or? was, yeah. um, it, my, my past has been picking up American yeah. riders just because of it, the, the cost value of hiring American to a Canadian. Uh, we all know that it's much cheaper to hire a, a Michael Willard you know, for a, a practice bike and some budget to mm-hmm. fly in and do his stuff and go home to a Kyle Keister or to a, a, a Pierce Chamberlain where they need three, four, five bikes because they do local racing and right. they, they need to spend a ton of money in the spring to go travel. And it just becomes a lot more money. But after looking at it for a few years and now that we had a bit more budget, it made more sense to hire Canadians because when Colton goes home to London, Ontario, he rides with kids in London, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Same with Jeremy, he rides in Ottawa, rides with his buddies at Sandley. And same with Dusty, he rides in BC, does local races at Nanaimo, and hangs around local Canadians where we're trying to sell KTM bikes to our Canadian yeah. customers. Right. So it plus Red Bull was really pushing for an all Canadian team like they had at Blackfoot uh for the last year or two. Mm-hmm. Um Royal thought that uh, having a full Canadian team made sense uh to promote Royal in Canada and uh, Fox as well. So all the elements were there. All the riders were Canadian. So it was pretty simple just to uh, hit the switch and let's yeah. go. You know, I talked to you a little bit about this in Edmonton, and uh, you're kind of in a no-win position uh, in a way because if 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 it had gone out and and Colton and Dusty went one two like they have for so many years, um, everybody would go like, well, of course, KT they hired the best guys. Of course, they're going to do that. Now, if it doesn't work out like it has this year. And not and not all and not all fingers pointed at you guys. Colton got injured, and uh, you know Dusty was slow to get get going. People point at you and go, "Ah, it's the KTM's." So yep. I admire that you did it, but you you did understand going in, right? That it was it was you had to win, otherwise people will blame the KTM's, rightfully or wrongfully. It's just kind of the way the shit goes down. Well, that's it. It's yeah. uh, and leading up to the series, you know, a lot of my friends and media and. People on forum sites were saying, well, they hired the best. It's going to be an easy championship. And right. I'm thinking, guys, it's not going to be easy. I mean, <laughs> uh, 
Gerke's coming up from a great Supercross season. Canary had an awesome Supercross season. Canary is finishing top ten at most na- at most Supercrosses. Yeah, you know his speed has improved. His confidence, uh, everything on him is 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 stepped up. Gerke as well. He came in last year injured, and he still won at at uh, Gopher Dunes over uh, Colton and Dusty. So we knew he was going to be a real you know thorn in my side to to race against this year. And right. uh, Colton uh, first round at Nanaimo was just a big mud fest, and Colton was really nervous. Uh, you know he had. Uh, some injuries at the end of last year from Paula and mm-hmm. uh, some concussion stuff. So, you know, he wanted to take it slow over the spring, and he was a bit nervous coming into round one. And um, he was honest. He says, you know, every year I'm always a little bit nervous. Even when Cornell came up that year, you guys brought in Hungarian, you know, <laughs> champion, German champ. I had really no idea how fast that guy was going to go until right, right. I actually raced against him. And, you know, he knew Gerke and Canary were going to be strong. So he was pretty nervous about the whole season. Um, but, you know, round one, we got out of the way with the big mud fest. Round two, uh, in practice, him and Girk, he had the exact same lap times, and, you know, they were a second to two seconds ahead of everybody else on the track. And yeah. I thought, here we go. It's great riding conditions. The weather's perfect. Track conditions are awesome. Uh, the guys in Kamloops did a phenomenal job setting it up. Uh, and we also had the race on Saturday, so the amateurs hadn't beaten it up the day before. Mm-hmm. So that worked out well. And um, unfortunately, and Corner three of lap one, uh, the two of them collided, and Colton went down on a shoulder that he's hurt many, many years ago and refractured it and mm-hmm. pretty well put himself out of the series right there. Yeah, uh, a, a real bummer because even though Gerke is on it and super surprising, um, it was going to be those two guys, wasn't it? It was, and you can see even at Calgary and in uh, Edmonton mm-hmm. um, with Colton's injury of shoulder, uh, now remember, going into Calgary and Edmonton, Colton hadn't been on his practice bike since prior to Nanaimo. Right. Even riding a bike during the week and only raced on the weekends. And in Calgary and in Edmonton, he only did four or five laps in practice to save the shoulder. Right. So he was he was pushing it pretty hard. And in both races, uh, both weekends, he challenged Gerke and Canary right to the very end of both motos and was right in there yeah. at all times and putting the same lap time. So I would have said he was probably at 50 to 60% with his shoulder and his conditioning. Right. So with the extra 40%, I'm sure that we would have had some great battles with uh, Gerke out there, and I think it would have been an awesome race. Yeah, real bummer for your program, no doubt. I agree. I would have loved to have seen a healthy Colton out there. Uh, Gerke surprised the hell out of me. I mean, I knew he mm-hmm. was injured last year, but... No way did I think he'd be this good, this dominant. Well, like I said, he caught us all off guard, and yeah. uh, whatever he did over the winter, uh, it was it was good for him and good think... for the Calgary guys. Thanks for listening to the BTOSports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped at anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at btosports.com. I think it uh, it helps my point a little bit because, you, uh, you know, as you know, I've been uh, – um, saying that these guys, need, our Canadians need to race more. I don't know what happened to Canadians not racing, but they no longer race. They just do nine races. And Gerke and Canari raced all Supercross and had good successes, and they came up, and I think they caught everybody. Maybe not Colton, because like you said, he, he, Colton was right there. Uh, maybe not Colton, but they caught everybody else by surprise. And maybe we just need to race more. Canadians need to go out and race more. What do you think? I think you're right. Uh, like now, today, this year. Yeah, seeing, seeing the, it now. Yeah. In in the past, I'm not really sure because uh, the Blackfoot guys did a lot of testing, and you know Colton does a lot of riding, mm-hmm. a lot of laps. Uh, same with Dusty in California in preseason in California, and they're not idiots. They know they're they're speed up against the local guys in California and Georgia, and they come into round one feeling really good and positive. They, you know, they. The two of them were finishing one, two, 30 seconds ahead of third place right. the last four, five, six years. Yeah. So this year, I don't. I think that even if they were on their own Yamaha program, if the Blackfoot hadn't got away, 
I think that they would have even struggled against Gerke this year coming yeah. into the program. Doesn't matter what brand of bike they were on, right. they would have struggled against those two guys. So I think that Gerke and Canary have stepped up the program so much that now it's time that everybody has to follow suit, and you right. need to to really focus on your spring training and start racing early. And the only problem with that is that you could really ruin your whole season of racing if something uh-huh. ever went wrong as an, in an injury. Of course, but it's guys like you that hold them back, Andy. <laughs> well, it's uh, you know it's a big investment. I and, know. Uh, yeah, you're right. You know, like a Colton right now, Colton's out, so I've been getting phone calls to replace him. Is there a rider out there that can replace him to be a top three guy in Canada at the moment? Even a U.S. rider coming up to, to fill in. Right. I don't think so. Well, uh, Dungy, maybe. Um. Well, he's busy. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's busy. Before so. we, bef- yeah, before we get to uh, the Dusty, uh, how hard did you try to get the new bikes? Did Was it ever... I mean, was it at, was just a no, we don't have enough right away from the start? Actually, no. The president of KTM, uh, John Eric, uh, really wanted us to race a new bike. And right. uh, we were looking at the scheduling of delivery of the units in North America. And it was really, really close um, for us to race it or not. The problem was that the riders, Colton and Dusty, both said that they really work on developing and testing the bike weeks and weeks prior to uh the Nationals, and uh, mm-hmm. they really didn't want to ride a carbureted bike up until a week or two before the Nationals and hop on the new Dungy and then try and develop that two weeks before going to the series. They just felt that it right. wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Andrew, who prepared our engines this year in that um, dyno dumb and prepared the motors, and he said, you know, we're not too, too far off of what those two guys have ridden in the past with the carbureted Yamaha, so they should be pretty good riding this bike, and you know, looking at lap times, he was right on. Uh, he 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 nailed it. And uh, I'm not saying that they're slow bikes, but I know the new Dungey bike is. You know, it's got the EFI, it's got the new frame. It's a little lighter. Yeah. It. I'm I'm sure it's going to be a second or two a lot quicker uh, than the older version, and that's why you know we developed the new bike it's it, to be a little better. If you had to do it again, would you have forced that? Would you have forced the issue and got on the new bike? I still don't think so because no. in '05 I was put in the same position when we had Willard on the program. Mm-hmm. We had only the two strokes up until a couple weeks before the national, and uh, we were able to get the new 250F uh, out of the U.S. Uh, a little bit early. Uh, Rod Bush pulled some strings and got me a bunch of them, and mm-hmm. I mean there wasn't any parts available for them. They were so new, there was nothing. I mean the clutches were different, pistons, right. everything, and. Yep. Uh, we couldn't break a bike because there were no spare parts anywhere. And, of course, you need spare clutches and yeah. uh, that kind of stuff that wear regularly. And there was none of this available. So we were stealing parts from bike to bike to bike to make these bikes go. And yeah. I really didn't want to go through the stress of that at the level of Colton and Dusty. Right, yeah, because, I mean, as, as we talked about, eyes are all eyes are on you, and you got to have mm-hmm. your, your crap together. Um, it's not like it's any – I mean, it's not like you're not trying your best with the Willards and the Nemeths and the Keiths of the world. And uh, but this is a little different. It is, uh, yeah. and these two riders are champions. They, uh, you know, they've won multiple championships in Canada, and they're solid guys. And they've done their homework. They know how to do it. And um, when we sit down, I I don't dictate everything. I want to get feedback from them and what they're thinking. And as long as it all makes sense, we we roll with it. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. You know, Les Smith is racing um, a Dungey bike down here. And they're a diaphragm clutch. Instead of clutch springs, they just have one big diaphragm spring. Mm-hmm. And he keeps burning up clutches. And KTM told him, yeah, you need a stronger diaphragm spring for, you know, super fast or aggressive riders. Unfortunately, less. we only have three springs in the world, and they're all Dungey's practice bikes, our spare motor, and his race bike. So you're out of luck. So there's an example of something that, you know, where the Dungey bike has, has hurt them. Well, it's, it's hurt them for some riders, but, you know, I was chatting with uh... – Robbie Marshall the other day, and he's got two of those Dungy model bikes he's been racing all year, and Never. he rides a ton up in New England, and I asked him about any issues uh, that he's had, and mm-hmm. he honestly said, I haven't had one problem with any of my bikes, and I said, have you had clutch issues? He goes, no, I'm I'm not hard on the clutch. It, it's worked out really well. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't had one mechanical in between the two bikes. He's got 100-plus hours on both bikes. and In the sand, uh, too, like in the hard conditions. Yeah, yeah. in the sand, and... Um, 
you know, in the rocks and the mud and everything up in New England. And mm-hmm. he seriously said, man, I've got no problems. And he's got nothing to hide from me. We've got a great relationship. And he'd tell me straight up yeah. if there was any problems. And right. I was looking for feedback to make a decision. Even if we implement this new bike, like now, would it, you know, over yeah. the break, you know, uh, since Dusty had a, a tough time in the early couple races, do we throw him on a new bike? And there were still the questions of, is there enough parts in stock if something ever went wrong? Mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, we haven't had a mechanical yet this whole year, and I don't want to have one. Mm-hmm. I don't want a DNF. So uh, uh, it's too much of a risk at the moment, but uh, we will definitely uh, implement that new Dungy bike for uh, Montreal Supercross. All right, let's get to Dusty. Uh, yeah, definitely some struggles early on. Um, some suspension changes has helped him dramatically, and he looks like a different guy. Um, what, in your opinion, um, I mean, look, suspension, it, it isn't rocket science. It's shims and oil, and, and it's not like, you know, it's there's more to Dusty's resurgence than changing uh, shims and oil around. There's got to be something mentally there. What's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, over the years of experience and talking with key people around the country, you want to throw ideas around what's going on with Dusty. And if Dusty had a serious problem and wasn't sharing with us, you know, that's it is what it is. I don't think he had any major issues. I think he had some big things in his life that were coming up this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Him and his girlfriend had a, a newborn uh, right near the end of testing. So, you know, he's a new, new a father to a new baby and new family, so that's new big responsibilities. And I, I'm thinking maybe that maybe played a little bit into his training, his setup, his mm-hmm. whole focus on the racing. Uh, he was really anxious to get home from California to, to be with the, uh, the family. Right. Um, he's getting married this year as well, so that's on his mind. Um, so I think he's got a lot on his mind, and I think that he heard that the new the 450 that he's racing was a good bike, solid. He did some testing down in California with mm-hmm. Factory Connection and uh, rode at Glen Helen and Milestone, Lake Elsinore, and I got a lot of good feedback that he was hauling. Everything was great, and we were trying this, that, the other. But I think he got caught off guard with Gurky and Canary as well. Right. Uh, because if you look at the last couple of years, if those two were back at the regular speed, he'd be right up there again where he should be. Now, Tyler wasn't there in the past, so he was right back into second spot where Colton would have been first, he would have been second, or those right. two would have been battling. Those two guys came in super strong, and I think he got totally caught off guard. It. He, it stressed him out. <laughs> right. he, he got nervous. He started losing focus and confidence in himself. So he also told me that, um, you know, where he rides up in Campbell River, it's only him and a couple other guys that ride, and the guys that ride are just weekend warriors. So he's got no one to ride with during the week at his riding ability to push him or to train with. So right. he basically loads up the truck, rides it to a sandpit, and then, does a couple motos all by himself, nobody watching, nothing, and then goes home. I'm like, that that can't be good for him. I mean, there's no one really pushing, no lap times. There's there's no real yeah. effort behind it. And I thought, you know, we have to change this. I think it's time that maybe you change up your plan. And we talked about it, and we said, why don't you come to the East Coast? It's going to be humid as hell out here. You need to, mm-hmm. to get into that program. And he told me back at home it was like plus 11 to plus 17 Celsius, no humidity. I said, man, you're going to die as soon as you hit Gopher Dunes. Yeah. So you better come out here. So Jeremy uh, stepped up to the plate and said, you know, why don't you come and stay at my place and we'll, we'll ride and test for three weeks up to Gopher Dunes. And Dusty said, man, ex- that's exactly what I need, and he appreciates it. So we put a lot of effort into it, and uh, he flew out a couple of days after uh, Edmonton and we uh, built up a practice bike, and he pounded moto after moto and mm-hmm. started to feel really good, and we, we dialed in the suspension better for him. We played with gearing. We played with um, uh, offsets on the clamps. We tried different links. We went through the whole yeah, program, and basically. we finally found a, a really good setting that he felt comfortable on. And I think once, once he felt comfortable, his confidence started to come back. Riding with a guy like Jeremy at Sandalee practicing, I mean, he's the fastest guy on the track by far. Yeah. Chasing after this kid on 250F, I heard a comment from him saying to Jeremy, dude, like, there's no way you're two seconds faster a lap on this track than me. Where the hell are you cutting this track? <laughs> right, right. And Jeremy's like, man, look at my tra- 
my tire marks on the track. I, I'm yeah. doing the same lines you are. And he's like, damn it. Like, I got to pick this up. So he had someone to race against, and Jeremy's not a, competing with him in the class. So yeah. it wasn't ego or anything. It was just like, okay, I got to do some homework and really nail it here. Right. And uh, they really put some serious training into uh, bicycling and uh, the gym and eating. And, you know, Dusty, I feel, really put a good effort to it. And it's finally coming around, and we're yeah. really seeing the real Dusty. Well, I think with Dusty, he's so laid back. He's so not aggressive. Uh, you, it's, you have to lead him to water. He's a horse, and you have to lead him to water. Otherwise, he's just going to go back to the easiest, the, the path of least resistance, you know? So. I, I, you know, I don't know, Cole, I don't know Dusty well enough. I, I really like him. I think he's got a ton mm-hmm. of energy. He's a crowd loves him, spectators. He, he's got tons of passion. He, he's a very quiet, shy kind of guy, and people read him the wrong way, and um, I enjoy hanging out with him, great conversations, and that kid is super motivated. Like, he was mm-hmm. pissed last week right. that uh, he got a shitty start in Moto 2 and had to come up and finish the distant third. Uh, Moto 1, he rode awesome. He was catching Gurky, and mm-hmm. by the 20-minute mark, he said, you know what, I decided to shut her down and just cruise and get a solid second and ready to kill it from Moto 2 to get the overall, right. like he did at um, St. Julian. Unfortunately, his start didn't pay off, and it it is what it is, but he got an overall third for the day on the box, and he represented his sponsor as well. And he's back now again in the Maritimes, riding with Mitch Cook and a, a bunch of guys out there getting ready for San Delis. Mm-hmm. And he'll stay out here again before Walton, and he's the one telling me, dude, I don't want to go home. I, I, I want to ride with fast guys, and i got to nail this. I want to win the next two overalls. Right. So, uh, how how much of a relief was it for you personally to see him at St. Julie and know that, A, your programs, nothing's wrong with your program, you know, and B, you know, you, you're a little bit vindicated by, by hiring Dusty and, and all that because early season talk was, you know, it's all the bike, it's the bike, it's the bike. Yeah. Um, so you had to be, feel pretty good to see that, that epic performance he put on at St. Julie. Let's just say I slept really well Sunday night. <laughs> right, I slept right. like a log. I, I I don't think I woke up once in the middle of the night that night. Uh, right. You know, prior to that, it's it's being stressful. It's looking for answers, looking for mm-hmm. figuring out how to get the results. And uh, you know, the year before, because St. Julie's in our backyard, right. we had all the managers and all the employees, and we did a big thing, and we had a really crappy weekend, just bad luck with everything, and. Going into this weekend, I said, you know, into St. Julie, I thought, man, if we can nail this weekend, it's going to be great for the local Quebec crowd or our shops in the backyard here, great attendance here. It's really going to help everybody. And, you know, watching Dusty get the whole shot in Moto 2 and just pulling away, it was just like, wow, this is a relief. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. You know, that night we all had a great dinner and relaxed, and it was just, it was awesome. <laughs> and I wish, I hope it's going to be that way for the rest of the series. Let's say that. Right, right. Well, I can hear it in your voice. Uh, um, uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. So, yeah, I mean, looking ahead to Santa Lee, it, it, it should be good for you uh, with Jeremy. Now, it's early, but it's August. But 2013, you think you're going to bring the same guys back? Well, we have a two-year deal with Colton. Yeah. So he's an automatic. Um, we're talking to both riders about bringing them back next year. Um, I think they both deserve an opportunity next year. They're both going to be on brand new bikes. The new 250F is a rocket ship from KTM, and Mm -hmm. uh, Jeremy is looking forward to riding that, and Dusty's talked about the new 450 and wants to put a lot of uh, extra effort into next year, and and he wants to win a championship before it's too late. Uh, He's 27 years old. He's got a family. He's not sure how much longer he can do this, but he really wants to put another full year into it and put a 100%. So I like that commitment, and I like him, and sponsors like him, and he's yeah. a Canadian, so it all falls into place. Right. Hey, in your opinion, and we were debating this the other day on an email chain, who's the next Canadian kid to come up? Like, it's looking a little bleak, but in, you know, if you had to pick a Canadian kid to say, okay, this is – because, I mean, let's face it, well, Colton's 24, right? So he's not he's got some years left, but – Dusty's getting up there, and, and Tyler's getting up there, and Jeremy is uh, – even Jeremy's a little older. But who's the next kid in your mind? Who do you like? Well, I th- there's a couple kids. I, I think Cole Thompson has got a, a great future, depending on which way he goes. I think uh, yeah. 
if he came to Canada, I think he would be an instant hit. He would be a podium rider, mm-hmm. make uh, some good money, take the stress off the family with uh, the financial. I think that would he would definitely be a huge asset and seems to ride a 450 really, really well. Yeah. So I think he would be a great uh, asset to the program. I think Kevin Benoit is uh, is a, a potential future champion. But Kevin, you know, he's really focused in snowcross as well. He's kind of yeah. like the Blair Morgan where he makes a lot more money in snowcross, and I, I think he's leaning that way to be his future and his mm-hmm. finances like Tim Trombley. Tim uh, is uh, a lead rider on his uh, BRP team, and uh, he makes a really good living racing in the, in the wow. winter. and. That's why I think he's doing so well in the summer. He doesn't take it so serious and just having fun and, and not stressing over it. And uh, we all know when you're not stressed, you seem to hang it out a little bit better. And yeah. you don't really care. You just go out there and have fun. And I'm not sure if Kevin is really ready to put a big focus on motocross or for next year. That's a discussion we have to have. But mm-hmm. I think Kevin, Cole Thompson, um, other future riders, maybe Dylan Kalen's got some opportunities there. Uh, right. If he can get things figured out, uh, you know, uh, the Allison brothers, uh, you know, they I thought they might be going somewhere. They seem to be focusing on education and that down the road, which is probably a smart thing. <laughs> Dummies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. There's, yeah. there's not that many other kids that are. Are jumping out at the moment that are yeah. our futures. I'm I'm a little worried as a motocross Canadian motocross fan. You know. Um, yeah. Hey, let's uh, let's talk let's talk motocross to nations. Um, Montreal Supercross same day, and yep. and and you're committed to that. And damn you, Andy White, damn you for doing that. But I understand it. But it sucks, right? It's um. It's funny, the conversation beginning of the year with Red Bull, Fox, and Royal, and everybody was, okay, we seem to have three really good Canadians on the program, and if these three guys can put it together, yeah. let's look at motocross nations. And the uh, the date for Supercross Montreal wasn't out at the time, so we didn't even, who would have guessed it would have been on the same date? I mean, like, out of 52 weeks of the year, who would have thought it would be the same freaking weekend? And uh, as we got closer and closer to the date, uh, I was thinking, man, we better start putting some plans together together for this motocross nation. Mm-hmm. So I, I emailed uh, one of my contacts at the Montreal Supercross, and they came back on the same date as the uh, motocross nations, and I couldn't believe it. Right. So uh, obviously, in our contracts with you know Red Bull Canada, Fox Canada, it's you know motocross in Canada's priority. Uh, and Supercross Montreal, 40,000 people in our backyard is, is big for KTM Canada and Canadian racing and for Red Bull and Fox. It's all marketing within our country, and I have to go that way. No doubt I have to go that way. Um, questioning, did someone pick that same date as Motocross Nations? Highly unlikely. I don't think Talking so. With, yeah, that's, no. a, that's a little bit of grassy knoll conspiracy stuff. I don't nah, think that, so. Right. There's no way that happened. I mean, Pierre... And the uh, their group, you know, they they request a date from uh, the RIO Olympic Committee, and mm-hmm. you know they say, okay, here here is a, a weekend between a wedding, you know, this yeah. and yeah, a freaking yeah. house, uh, house, uh, house renovations, yeah. whatever, and this is the date you're getting, and they're like, okay, great, we'll take it, right? And that's it, and that's all, and it's too bad because I think that we would have had a a, a a a great program, you know, maybe not Colton going, but. Uh, Right. Uh, we've done with um, Dusty and Jeremy going there. I think it would have been a great representative. And maybe even Kevin Benoit the, jumping in there on a 350 or 450. As it is right now, neither Jer- I know the MX2 spot is open. Um, mm-hmm. The incredibly organized Canadian Nations management team. Um, mm-hmm. the, Kevin or Jeremy won't be going. They're, they, neither one. Uh, there was a chance one of them might go, but what do we look? What's the status right now? Well, Jeremy is contracted to race Montreal okay. no matter what, and uh, he was a little bit bummed because he wanted to represent Canada, and, right. but he knows that uh, his paycheck is paid by the sponsor, so he's like, yep, let's do it. And Kevin, if he was uh, an English-Canadian from B.C. or something, I'm sure he'd be out there, but because he's a French-Canadian, yeah, uh, you know, Montreal, he uh, he needs to be there. He he could be the next JSR, the next Dubay, the next Carl Valencourt, and uh, mm-hmm. you know the promoter is leaning on him to help sell tickets. Do I? 
Okay, so you've given us the politically correct answer. You have to go there for your sponsors. Mm -hmm. What does Andy White want to do? What would you do if you didn't have the sponsor? I mean, I, look, I know I'm not trying to get you. I'm not trying to put you under the gun. We're, we're buddies and all that. But, I mean, to me, Montreal Supercross, um, you know, a team – let's say Colton is healthy. A team of yep. Colton, Jeremy, and Dusty, to me, is a top ten team, if not better, on a world stage. And yep. I have no doubt your support from KTM Europe would be there. Um, you know, a little bit, anyways. It, what, what do you? What would you do if if you could have the choice? I mean, I, and you're. I mean, I and here it is. You're a racing guy. You're a fan. Um, you're also uh, a marketing guy and a a guy that sees the big picture here. Am I just being uber Canadian motocross fan, or do you understand the Montreal aspect, or? What would Andy White do if he had if he could choose? Well, because I was born and raised in Montreal, right. and I've been around the Montreal Supercross my whole life, I I know and feel what that does for Quebec and for me. And I think the Montreal Supercross is really important for marketing for racing. Okay, I'm also a Canadian, and I also know representing Canada is really important. So it's a real. 50-50 for me. It's a really right. tough one. <laughs> right, right. Um, no, I get it. I, I mean, I, I think myself personally, Montreal Supercross is a is a shadow of its former self. I've uh, been there a couple of years. Um, don't know, haven't been, wasn't there in the glory years, but to me it's it's getting, you know, I mean, you know, the MX2 guys, it's a 10-lap main event for the MX2 guys. It's over in six minutes or something. And, mm -hmm. you know, does it, does it really matter all that much? I understand Royal and Fox and Red Bull are, are what's paying the bills, and that's what they say. I'm going to maybe go on a letter-writing campaign, Andy. I'm going to write letters to all those people. <laughs> and I'm going to tell them, you know, we got to figure this out. we got to get our shit together. Because well, I, I was really hoping that this year, you know, the KTM with the KTM Europe thing and Red Bull, it would really work out. But Well, I, I can tell you right now that if those three riders – uh, next year or, or whatever Canadians are on the program, and then they're dominant riders in the Canadian motocross next year, and we can put it together with our sponsors, which I think we can, mm -hmm. um, and the dates aren't the same. We'll be out there to represent Canada, absolutely. Right, right. And uh, I think it'll be one of the best teams uh, in the last many years, uh, you know, not counting out the days of uh, the Blackfoot Hondas and Blackfoot Yamahas, uh, they uh, they had some really good years as well with great riders uh, representing Canada as well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good to know. So I'm going to hold that to you if the dates are different, Andy. I'm going to hold no hold problem. you to that. I'm, I'm, I will push. <laughs> Next year is in Germany. Yeah. KTM Germany is uh, is a powerhouse. Uh -huh. We uh, Austria is next door, so I'm sure we'll get some great support from Pitt Byer and Stefan Everts and Roger DaCosta to you know to help support the Canadian uh, program in in Europe. You understand my frustration. I I hear it. <laughs> I hear it. Uh, next, my next frustration is Colton Fasciati and his uh, seemingly indifference to racing American races. If he's healthy, do you back him? Can you back him? Do you send him just to some to the, some U.S. stuff? Yeah, we talked about it being the year, and we said that if he was healthy and good by uh, the end of Walton, that he'd have the opportunity to go to Steel City and Tapala mm -hmm. to race those events. And unfortunately, he's yeah. not able to so that screwed up things um he you know he he really wants to go to america and you know campaign a full season he that's for sure for sure he's just uh waiting for the right opportunity the right team the whole program to fall in place and mm -hmm. you know he's he's not an idiot he's had some good uh discussions with jsr about how the american program works and from friends and how good he has in Canada with, you know, his past many championships. And right. the guy's making a good living racing Canada, doing nine nationals. And if he can keep that up and, and have a good living like JSR did, uh, you know, JSR's is, life is good right now. He's doing a lot of motocross schools yeah. and stuff and working for KTM. And uh, he's owning, you know, a lot of condos and this and the other and a lot of residential. And it, it paid off for him. And I think Colton sees that in what JSR did and, it's uh, it's easy to do easier to do nine nationals than thirty races in the U.S. over the whole year. Yeah, but you'd make more money. My my comeback would be that if you did well, you'd make way more money in the U.S. You you could, but I you know. Colton, you know, he's ridden for 
ridden other bikes and under teams, and he would really have to change a lot to race full-time down there. He'd have to uproot from London, Ontario, and move to California and, right. or Florida and, and really start focusing hard on that. Uh, I think first year of running on team, he'd almost have to move to California full-time and put in a huge effort, and, you know, his wife would have to follow as well. And right. I think that's a big commitment to if he was a single guy, uh, and something like Beaton where he's been traveling a ton and doing the U.S. California thing a lot, I think it would come more natural to him. But uh, I think things are good for him right now in a good place. And um, he's not looking at it today, but after the two-year contract, it, if he's doing really well next year, there hopefully will be a right. many more KTM programs in the U.S. that he could lean on and possibly pick up a good ride with. Yeah, get on that a little bit. Um, hey, did you ever make contact with Langston at the uh, KTM dealer meeting there? I did. We okay. uh, we talked quite a bit, and uh, he's got a new program starting this year, and he's really anxious to uh, work with us and possibly get uh, some of my guys up to do some Supercross yeah. events here and there. I like that. That is that's a good idea you had. Where you know maybe you have some sort of, and they have that too. Maybe they have a kid that they don't think is quite there, and they want to send him to Canada. Vice, you know what I mean? Could work out. Yeah. Could be a good idea. Um, Andy White, thank you for doing the BTOSports.com DMX podcast show. Um, always a good guy to talk to, uh, great answers, and, um, yeah, I uh, appreciate the uh, candor and the honesty, and good luck with the rest of the races. I'll, I'll see you at Walton. Well, I'm looking forward to Sandley and Walton, two rounds to go. We've got uh, Colton coming by for both rounds uh, to support the team and the sponsors. It's going to be a lot of fun. And at uh, Walton, Danny's going to have uh, a great promo with the amateurs. We're going to have the new bike on display at Sandley and Walton. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody will get to get a sneak peek at this new 450. We've got some really good contingency money we're throwing out at Walton. Danny will be doing that on Saturday night. Sweet. So we've got, got a lot of good things happening. Uh, we've uh, got the new contingency program happening for the amateur riders that uh, Danny will be uh, uh, spilling the news shortly Unveiling, on that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Danny, Danny Burrow holding things down on the marketing side. Danny's doing an awesome job. He's hardcore, and uh, he, uh, he enjoys the whole motor world. Um, he's even, I believe he's even going to race a couple uh, classes in Walton this next week. Ah, keep him away from the poutine. That's it. He loves poutine. I know. I know. He loves it. He wants to race, though. He's got <laughs> to lay off it. Um, all right, man. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. I'd just like to thank our sponsors, of course, yeah. for all the support. Uh, Red Bull, Royal, Fox, Dunlop, FMF, Factory Connection, uh, W Wheels, uh, VP Fuels, uh, Talon, Volan for uh, his support on uh, service, uh, Cometic uh, Gaskets, um, Rick at uh, Mechanics Square helping out, making us look good with those killer gloves, and uh, Steady Mate Tie Downs and uh, Podium, all the, all the people. I appreciate all the support. Sweet. Thanks, bud. See ya. All right. Talk to you. Bye. Bye.